Hello, welcome to the Mag Life. I'm Daniel Shaw, and I'm with a guest that needs no introduction. Uh, well, I guess he does because you can't see him. This is audio. Uh, JJ Ricaza, been around the game for a long time. One of the best shooters in the world. Has been on television shows for being a good shooter. Um, if if you don't if you don't follow JJ, you're you're really missing out. Uh, JJ, welcome to the Mag Life. Thanks for joining us. Hey Dan, thank you so much for having me, man. It's an honor. Man, the honor is is totally all mine. I have seen you a bazillion times out at shot show, uh, at parties, and and you know different things, and uh, never actually talked to you. Never never got to meet you, and you know we kind of been in the same areas. And I'm like, man, one day I got to get get to talk to JJ. <laughs> so it's really cool that we, we get to link up here, and, and I get to talk to you for like an hour or something. Yeah, get you all to myself and not running around at shot show. This is perfect. Um, so I I in general. Maglife fashion, we're going to jump right into it. There's a question that, that I'm guessing, I try to represent the listener the best I can out there. And I think if I were listening to this and I got to talk to JJ, like, how did you get so good, man? Like, like how did this work? How did this, this path begin and, and lead you to where you are right now? Uh, man, that's such a long-winded question, I guess, because it's um, there's a there's a long story behind all being good. I guess I don't even know what good means right now. Um, it's constantly like an evolving thing. Uh, you think you're good one moment, and then you go out yeah. there and get your butt whooped, and then you come back and you're going, "Man, I wasn't as good as I thought I was." Right? So, but really, ultimately, you know, wait, I think wait, 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 that, that's something right there, man. It's because you're you're doing honest self-assessments. A lot of us have things that we think we're good at. And we don't let ourselves know that we're bad at it when we fail. We make a joke or we, we brush it off or like blame it on a bad day or make excuses. Like you're, you're talking about self-awareness and, and even, even though it's negative, you're like, you still realize that, well, I, I, I'm not as good as I can be, or I'm losing something and I need to go fix that thing. You know, that's a, that's a mindset right there. It, it really is. It's a challenge, right? To not be judgmental about yourself and your progress because we're all kind of an evolving factor out there trying to, to be good at whatever craft we're trying to be. And and the judgmental part really just kind of takes you back and slows down the progress. But it really is just to go be matter of fact about it. Like, hey, what made you suck, <laughs> for a lack of a better word, this match? And, and that's the best thing about being in competition because I'm constantly being tested on my new skills, whether it's a new competition, new field, new new environment or new gun it's it's kind of one of those things that you're, you're constantly being tested and going all right this current style of your shooting doesn't work so let's let's figure something out what do we what do we have to do obviously these are the core fundamentals that work let's keep on doing that but then learn learn apply it to this particular platform and see it again and see what happens on the next um, event and and you know it, it's, it's it's a good thing because it's kind of like a circle for me where I teach so some of the stuff that I'm learning for myself I'm trying to communicate that to me and then proofing it in competition and then then I can go on and then go to my classes and actually eventually teach it to them and somewhat makes sense to the approach of the whole entire concept of how I got to where I got I guess. Right. So what, what got you into it though? I mean, what got you, you know, a lot of people want to be good shooters. They want to shoot competition and I've shot a lot of competition and, you know, I was always middle of the road. If I shot IDPA, I get a bazillion procedurals, but I'm really happy that somebody <laughs> set up a stage for me, you know, to, to practice, you know, my way of, of fighting. But it's like, I, there's a lot of guys out there who take this very, very seriously, but they never really progress past, you know, a weekend thing happening every once in a while. But I, I feel like some of the guys I've seen have a lot of potential. And in anything else that I've ever seen in life, whether it's you know military, motorcycles, 
guns. It, it doesn't matter. It's it's not always the natural ability that rises to the top. It's it's the people with the right mindset and the right um, the right work ethic that they get it done. I think you said you said it um, there. You said right mindset and and really just just the work ethic. There's there's always my it's almost an insult when someone that says hey man you're you're just he's just supernaturally talented that's just something that he was born with um and it really kind of wasn't I was I remember I still remember clearly how terrible I was because my dad was really good at pointing them out right <laughs> at that, that time and and it's kind of one of those things that I just I just kept putting in the work I, I didn't I don't know what drove me um I can tell you a few stories that will lead you to kind of the reasons why I stayed with it for so long because right now I look back on it I started in 1988 you know like that's how long ago this whole journey started and how old are you now how old were you then I was eight years old okay okay I was eight years old in 1988 myself Okay, so yeah, you and I can definitely hang out. <laughs> you and I speak the same language. <laughs> so it started really because it was a necessity. In the Philippines, my dad was um, a doctor. He was a surgeon. So he would be out in surgery quite often and sometimes very long surgeries. And sometimes he wouldn't get home. And during that time, uh, my mom left for the U.S. when I was three or four years old. I don't quite exactly remember, but I remember three to four years old, she left for the U.S. so she can start our process of possibly coming into the United States and start a living out here. Um, and that, there's a funny story of how that even came about. My dad filled me in on that recently. But um, and then, and then, so throughout that time, my dad was alone raising three kids, you know, me and two of my sisters. And then he had help uh, in the Philippines, even though you're not wealthy we were in the lower middle class as i would call it um we weren't rich by any means at all we had helpers and that's just something that is a standard thing in culture like you have helpers and so my dad had helpers you know um maids they call them and stuff like that we would cook meal and stuff like that for us so she had he had somewhat babysitters at home so he would go and do his surgery and all that stuff but so a necessity came about in a situation where he was like hey you can't just hide in a massive bedroom um just in case anything happens I'm going to show you this gun. You're eight years old. You're you're the only man in the house. He goes, I need you to start and step up. And he goes, here's a gun. It's a pistol. I'll never forget. It was a Colt Commander, 1911, silver. Um, and he picked it up and he said, anything goes bad, anything happens, bring all your sisters and family here, hide in a room, and if anyone else but me and anyone that you recognize, pull the trigger if they come through that door. And it was a 45. And I remember it was so heavy, picked it up, and he showed me how to pull the trigger and point at some some direction and and that's how it started and he's like all right i i look he saw how intimidated it was and so he said we got to go to the range and i got to get you and your sisters to shoot at least one or two rounds because they were very expensive and then see if you can hit and if you can hit and that's all you need is maybe one or two rounds hoping that it'll deter whatever comes in or you know whoever comes in to deter harm or anything like that wow so that's cool so you started this whole journey really out of defense for your family necessity, whether you were all about it or not, you know, your dad saw the need and was like, I got to put a gun in this boy's hand. Yes. And the crazy thing about that was there was just kind of everything in my life, right. It's all been lucky. Like I've just been unlucky at the right spot, the right time. And, and I was, no, there. no, 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 no. Like you, that's another thing. That's a mindset thing and a leadership thing. Opportunities come to those who are present, you know, like whenever you're there, in the right spot. Like you, you, you probably say that you were lucky 
all throughout your career and even recently with a lot of successes that you've had because that's how you, you maintain your humility. But really it's because of that work ethic and that mindset of, of always being present and, and being there and being there for the opportunities to happen and, and maybe in some way anticipating that and creating the, the opportunity for that happen. And then you're standing right there in this position. And next thing you know, you're feeling like it's luck, but really it's, it's by, um, accidental design yeah. by doing the right thing, I guess you could say. Yeah. hundred percent. I like that. hundred uh, accidental design. I really like that because you know, a lot of, <laughs> I really like that. I'm going to start using that from now on. <laughs> and, and, it, and, and we were at the range and, and, and so practicing, or at least my dad had a box of ammo and he's like, Hey dude, here's a box of ammo. We, we got, we got 50 rounds. We'll just shoot it. And then he, he had me shoot a couple of rounds. I remember it, it, it was very loud and it was very hard to control. So um, I, I kind of veered away from trying to shoot any more than I think two rounds. He was happy that I was able to hit the target. My sister shot and they were happy and we were pretty much done with it. And then we heard a bunch of shootings the next bay over. And then my dad goes, takes a peek. And then he sees these guys running around, look like they're clearing houses, opening doors, shooting through windows. And he just kind of get got enamored just watching them. And then a couple of those guys decided to come up to him and he's like, hey, do you want to try it out? And he's like, I don't, I don't, I don't have ammo. And he goes, no, we'll give you the gear and here, just shoot, shoot this, these targets, go to this area, shoot these targets. And he's like, yeah, I want to, I want to learn this. Cause he actually thought we have no military background, nothing like that at that time. So he thought they were clearing houses and learning how to be tactical, but there lies the way they were just actually running competitions, right? Ipsic. Right in a match. Yeah. And then, yeah, when he tried it, he was hooked and he was introduced with it. And, and that was the start of it all. He started competing and I was, you know, I would be home and he would, you know, any Asian family or Filipino, they stuck me in, um, um, martial arts at that time, karate, taekwondo and all that stuff. And then he would start coming home with a lot of these trophies. And I'm like, what are you doing? I, I need to know what you're doing. And then that was it. And he's like, come, come with me to a match. And he just took me to a match and I started showing up to matches. And I saw other kids in matches. So I'd rather hang out at the range than at home. And I'd rather skip the martial arts stuff. And I'd rather do the shooting part. And then one thing led to another. And he challenged me. And he's like, hey, man, if you can outdraw me, out-reload me, or at least do it as fast as I can, I'll go- let you go shoot. And I'm like, how do I do that? He's like, it's something called dry fire. He goes, all you do is do reps in the room and just draw the gun and reload the gun. And, and that was how it started. I didn't know how to do it. I had, I remember having to tie up the belt twice around my waist and then, cause it was his belt and I would have rubber bands to hold it up there with the gun. And I would just constantly do reps over and over to make it, I would watch him do it. And I'm like, okay, so I kind of know what he's doing. So I'll try to emulate it. And he wasn't, he wasn't, he didn't have much patience. He was so busy, you know, juggling all three of us kids by himself and him as a doctor that he didn't have. Back, do you critique his draw? You, no, man, he, no. I I mean I, we can make fun of it, <laughs> right? But yeah, my yeah. I look at the pictures. I'm like, my gosh, that's where we started. Like it almost looked like a a weaver stance. Well, I think it's awesome. Like, and I love stories, man. I I, I really do. And the uh, you know the universe, God, whatever you believe in. Um, had those guys not been on that bay right next to you. Yeah, you know, running an Ipsic match right then, 
you know, what, what path would you have went down? You know, it's, yeah. it, it's crazy. You know, it's like just that little small thing changed your whole family and, and changed yourself and created such opportunities for your now kids and everything else. You know, it's like, it, it's, that's freaking awesome. It, it really is. It's, it's unreal. Like you said, accidental design. Right? I, I like that yeah. a lot. <laughs> Man, okay. Sorry. I interrupted you. No, 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 you're good. It's, you, it's just you were critiquing your dad's draw. No, <laughs> no, my dad, my dad will still whoop my butt at this point. But um, no, basically, just watch him draw, and then I was like, all right, I'm gonna do the same thing he did. I'm just gonna reload, and then I think I did it for every day. As soon as I'd get home from school or get home from karate, whatever, I would immediately jump upstairs and start dry frying my butt off and it would be an hour to two hours and there'd be stories where some of his friends that would tell me nowadays when we'd see them like hey man because you were up there for two hours we would hear thuds after thud because i would drop the magazine mm-hmm. while i'm reloading and at the time i couldn't reload with my my strong hand thumb i would have to reach with my support hand thumb so i had to learn how to do that faster in order for it to look good and then he told me to look in the mirror so to fix any extra movement and i started watching myself in the mirror and all these things just kept it simple right and then finally i said dad i think i'm i'm ready he didn't he, you know he didn't really watch me every day he just kind of took a peek and he's like okay i'm gonna go do my thing and do work and spend time with other kids and you're while you're busy upstairs i think it was like a month or so of straight dry fire every day for about an hour two hours three hours sometimes and um he, i finally told him i said i think i'm ready can you just check out my draw and and reload and when i drew out i remember we had this old timer and i drew out and i was able to pull a trigger in one second and then I was able to do a, a, a reload in about a second, you know, um, dropping the mag and inserting it without um, pulling the trigger. And he goes, how the hell did you get to this point? Um, who taught you this? And I said, no one. I just sat here watching you do yours. And after you were done, I'd put it on and I would do it myself. Right. And so he's like, all right, I think you're ready. Let's go to the range. And took me to the range. He, we reloaded. Um, he had a single hand, um, single stage reloader at the time. So we would reload about 100 or 200 rounds. And then we would go to the range. And I, I remember shooting my first shot and the gun almost lifted off my hand and almost hit me on top of my head because I didn't dry fire the, the grip yeah. part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, he's a 45. I'm not eight or nine years old at the time. And my dad goes, I guess you're going to have to dry fire um, the grip part. So I remember, okay, I'll go home and, and grip the gun harder. And that's that's how it, and ever since then, that's how I've worked. It's it's something I do mm. in the range, go home, fix it until it becomes subconscious, go back to the range, test it. Okay, cool. And then, you know, confirm it and stuff like that. How much dry fire do you do right now? About 300 days per year. About not, I don't do it as long anymore, but I do it about 10 or 15 minutes a day. Um, I, th- I think a lot of that is because it's been developed. So when I dry fire any gun that I knew, I get a new platform, I can learn some of the movements that I need to learn. Uh, when it doesn't take me as long, yeah, yep. Is it primarily handguns, or do you do you work with rifles a lot too? Do I, I don't do rifles a lot, I, I've done work with them with, with the government and all that stuff, and I still do it with. Till that till this day, um, but a lot of it primarily would be handgun. Yes, sir. All right, interesting, man. That's so that's, that's so you you picked up these skills or this way that you learn. Obviously, you're a very visual learner um, by just watching your dad and emulating what he does. Um, is, is that the the way you pick up new things now? Is more visually and seeing somebody doing something successful, or or do you um, break those down in some way? I'm just trying to get into the mind of a champion, you know, like, like how, what can I steal right here in this podcast? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a visual learner, hundred percent visual learner. You can tell me till 
I'm brown or white or dead and and all day long and write it down for me. But if you show me how to do it, I can feel what activates or what muscle needs to whatever, you know, like, all right, this hand grabs this. I'll just pay attention to like the general detail of it and I'll, I'll just try to see if my body can do it or feel through it. And that's how I've always been. And same with golf. My dad was like, hey, this is how you swing the golf ball. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll pick up the, the club and hit it. And he's like, well, how do you hit the ball? And I'm like, well, I just looked at you for an hour. And then I was like, I just kind of felt try to feel it feel my way through this and um so that, that's how i am right now and it kind of it, it, it's actually pretty cool how it translates to how my how i study my students because i watch them go through a a field course or I watch them closely how they manipulate the trigger how they reload and i go all right this particular point right here you lost some time because you did this there's an extra movement here you didn't have an index here or you drop stepped here you didn't get the gun here at this point whatever the communication would be and you know it's pretty neat that they don't have to tell me i just i just have to watch a video or at least them performing live in front of me but you kind of hit my next question. I was going to ask you about your natural ability. I guess you could say, do you, are you find yourself naturally athletic? Do you play other sports well? I'm competitive. I don't know if I play it well, but I'm going to find a way to find a way to win and do my That's best. I, I, I have never been great at anything in my yeah. life. Like, like, but it's just, it's just work. Like playing basketball, you know, I played point guard. I wasn't a great point guard. I, I'd never been able to shoot well, you know, but I, I, I could handle the ball and I could find a pass. I could sneak it in there and I would be down there on defense immediately because I would have to hustle to be a competitor. Maybe I have to hustle better than the guys who were taller and faster and more natural ability. Same thing in, in volleyball and, and soccer. It was just, it was hustle that, that made me, my presence known, you know, on the field or the, or the court. It was that, that work ethic and practice and, and those kind of things. It, it never had the natural ability in anything. And when I get into guns and, and in the military, it's like, uh, I, man, that was a lot of work. And, and like you had just tons of, of dry fire, uh, just got so much done and everything else. But I, I back to the, the student part right there, with you being such a visual learner and able to, and, and you started, every, basically everything you've learned was from watching people until you start getting to the point where you could almost watch yourself and, and critique yourself. Uh, when you're critiquing yourself, you know, even your, even your students, um, something I, I heard a fighter pilot say on TV or something, I forget a while back and I'm jumping all over the place, but he said, um, he said, never critique in the moment. He said, because that takes up so much mental bandwidth and I'm a b big believer in being amazing at the fundamentals. So I have all my mental bandwidth, um, it, it, it can be used for the real problems, the hard stuff, not the stuff that we should already be amazing at going into the fight or into the competition. Um, do you, do you critique yourself in the middle of a match when you're, when you're shooting or is that an after thing? Or do you have some kind of mindset that you go into a match that's different than practice? Yeah, it's totally different. Um, I definitely agree with that mindset right there. I've never heard of that, which is really cool to hear it for the first time. But in the match, I'm very matter of fact about it and very emotionless about it. So if I see something, I, I go through the entire stage, whatever happens, happened. I will review it quickly in my head and I go, okay, I struggled in this particular target. Why did I struggle? It was because a lack of steady sight picture or lack of trigger. Okay, sounds good. If I see a presentation of that sort on the next stage or if I ever see that presentation again, I'm going to make sure I do this to make that adjustment and see what the results are. And then, and then I scratch it and then I focus on all the good things that I did, right? And I, I maintain a positive outlook throughout the match. In practice, 
However, or after that match, I, be, I start reviewing everything that I listed down or mentally wrote down and I'll start writing it down and how to approach that in my next training session and go, okay, these are some of the things. And a lot of it really comes down to like one single component or in the fundamentals, right? It's kind of weird how it simplifies it down. But, it, you know, it, it, during the match, it's kind of convoluted and all that stuff. But at the end, I can clarify it and go, all right, it this is the point where I need to focus on. And sometimes it's mindset. Sometimes it's my approach and stuff like that you know, and, or, or some movement, and then I can hammer it down in practice. And when I'm in training, I'm, I'm hard on myself, but I'm trying my best recently. The, the biggest thing I've done recently within the last few years is to take the judgmental part away. Because, you know, we get so hard on ourselves. We start mm-hmm. calling ourselves name and all that stuff. I, I mean, you could you should hear me in the range sometimes, but I've, I've done a lot less of that where I've, I've just said, okay, that was bad. Don't do that. This is what you got to do. This is the things that we're going to focus on. Okay, just focus on one thing for now instead of three things. Go ahead, execute. And then try it over and over. And then from there, it, I've seen a lot of growth in myself and then also in my students. I try to watch them perform. Once they do it, I critique them individually. And, and sometimes I have two approaches, right? It depends. Sometimes I'll go, all right, I'm going to hit him up with everything that he has wrong, right? And if this guy can handle it. But sometimes, and a lot of times actually, I just look at it and go, there's 10 things wrong. I'm going to only address two because most likely these two right here is going to fix all the other eight that I saw. And let's just focus on that. And then I individualize in that single concept and I go, we're going to work on this. And you're going you're gonna to sit there and hammer that out and then come back to me when you're ready. You, you mentioned something in there about uh, <coughs> going into um, the competition of being emotionless or as emotionless as possible. And then later on, you were still kind of talking about that, but you were going to the students, but you said how much you've progressed in that. Has that has that self-control or your ability to control your emotions, has as you've gotten better at that, has that made you a better shooter out there in the moment, in the competition? I would have to say yes. Being emotionless and having that state of mind of control with with everything that's happening in the moment has allowed me to perform better. I would say I can see more, I can feel more, and I can constantly tweak and stay present while I'm shooting as opposed to constantly thinking back and looking back and going, what you did wrong. Yeah. Interesting. You know, I, I have um, a little mindset that I have. Like, I, I, I try to think of everything as practice. You know, like my, my last competition is the only one that really matters. You know, my, my last book that I write is the only one that really matters. My last podcast that I ever get to do is going to be the best podcast that I've ever done. You know, like that's just trying to get better at everything, but everything is practice. And one of the things we get to practice all the time is that that self-control. And when I've got students in classes that that start getting in their own head and they start going down this downward spiral of angry at themselves, um, they're no longer present. The, the learning ends they are no longer progressing forward. They're not getting better because they, they, they've let this get into them that they had this bad string of fire. They had uh, something close to a safety issue and they, they're really disappointed in themselves. Um, having the ability to, to switch that off and to stay present, like you, as you put it, um, it's such a powerful thing in every aspect of your life, not just shooting guns, but no matter what you're doing, you're going to be better at that if you control those emotions. Hundred percent, I agree with that. It, it, it translates to all facets of life, really. I have two kids, right? So it's kind of one of those mm-hmm. things that now sometimes they'll 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 push you 
until you almost break or lose it. <laughs> and I'd literally have to sit there and go, okay, this is part of your training. Let's address yes, this accordingly. Exactly. <laughs> we have all these opportunities to practice. So yes. It's <laughs> funny. Crazy. So yeah, it's so, funny. Like we, I get almost the same conversations. Probably listeners out there is like, not this crap again. You know, like this, this comes up with so many different. And I, I'm not making it happen. You freaking said it. You know, like I, this, this conversation about self control and how much that is a huge factor in your performance and in your success uh, comes up so much with Navy SEALs, with with um, other you know crazy Delta Force dudes. You know, like everything else that I have on the podcast, they they have this thing in common of of prioritizing self control. And controlling their emotions and and being able to focus on on that task at hand, it's uh it's it's been a very very common theme among all these highly successful people. Yeah, I got to tell you, it's it's it gives me goosebumps to talk about that part because it's you know at a certain point we can only be so skilled, right? Mentally we can be so sharp, physically we can be ready, and then really the mental and emotional state is where some people could either make it or break it. My world is pretty easy. It's either win or loss, right? And I just come home um, upset, but hurt because I didn't get that number one trophy. And some of these guys in the military field, uh, Delta and SEALs or anyone in the military really uh, that's been deployed, that, 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 that win or loss is a difference between life and death sometimes for them, you know, and very high stakes. It's high stakes. Yeah. So totally different. So I, I think it's a lot more important to them, but it, it like you said, it translates, man. You know, there's probably some people out here that, um, are, are wanting some, some more specific shooting guns questions. And, um, you know, I was looking at a few, few different of your videos and, and obviously been following your Instagram for a long time. What do you have that, that you think that you do differently you know, for your students or teaching or your own shooting that that you don't see a lot of folks doing, or there's a, a trend moving toward, but maybe it's it's not all the way there yet. Do you have anything that uh, that you think that you're doing that's that's special, that that's different? Maybe everybody hasn't called on yet. <laughs> I don't know if it's special, but it was something that I was, um, I guess, exposed to early on in 2002 right after 9-11 and contracting and the guy, I felt, like I said, that's another world like I fell into and it was just the guy that got lucky to be in the position, right? And like accidental, what was that? Accidental, what was that? Design. Design, you're right, yeah. And it was, <laughs> I was, I fell in this world of contracting where I was teaching a bunch of um, either military or law enforcement world and they, they, they showed a specific way to pull a trigger and I remember thinking at that time, early on I was still young and looking back going, man, I wish I, adopted that sooner but they were talking about a sacred cow right (laughs) it was literally it was just trigger like it was just learning how to pull the trigger correctly and they they they, then that's when i saw a bunch of different ways that would pull people would pull trigger just differently and you would see the immediate results and it was consistent right you one person would pull it differently and you would immediately see the results and then a specific group of folks good shooters would pull it slightly differently specifically at distance up close, everyone kind of pulls it the same, but at distance, at speed and accuracy, there were 
one thing that everyone did and i was like all right i'm gonna have to figure this out and and see if how that apl- uh, applies to my race gun it's a one and a half pound trigger that time we were doesn't matter we were shooting either glocks m9s or sigs uh, 229s and all that stuff so i said i'm gonna see if this applies it's it's, it's got to be the same concept shooting the gun is shooting the gun mine will just have a smaller movement and a lighter application to that and once i applied that in 2008 i started really seeing breakthroughs on my ceiling so on my classes now i started really i start all my classes with trigger work it doesn't matter if i'm working with advanced shooters beginners or anyone same thing i will put them in the same spot yep and then you know it's the hardest thing in the world because there's a lot of this people that like to pin the trigger to the rear slow reset and all that stuff it's great if you're learning the process of the trigger but once you're kind of past that you need to learn how to cycle or let the gun cycle the trigger for you as opposed to you doing it and then, you know, I love that there's so few people out there now teaching the pinning the trigger uh, technique. It's just it's dying, and yes. it's about time. It, it it took so long. You were one full step behind everybody else, maybe even two if you're if yes, you're yes, to the rear. That's just that's good stuff. Um, did uh one of your probably buddies? I don't know. Maybe you hate each other. I don't know. Uh, years ago, me and Rob Lathan did a podcast. It ended up being like a three part episode, and we ended up spending a whole episode talking about how to press the trigger yeah. and how to properly reset a trigger, you know, racing off the trigger, getting back to the wall during recoil and, and all that stuff. And uh, he, he does a great job of explaining it. And there's just, it's the same thing as you, you know, with the trigger, you know, I could tell you, I could spend an hour making sure that you understand side alignment. You know, I, I find that in Western culture, we, a lot, we, we don't need lines. The cars will park next to each other. You know, yes. we'll, 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 we'll be parallel. We put our shoes right on the le- right, left on the left, and we put the toes or the heels in line. Like we align things intuitively, at least over here in Western culture. Um, and I, I might teach, I might spend a whole day and not even talk about side alignment unless I see that somebody on the target doesn't understand side alignment. Um, <laughs> but that's also very rare. Uh, you can have the best side alignment side picture ever. If you're moving the gun when you're pressing the trigger, none of that matters. 100%. So until you fix the trigger, nothing else matters. Yep. I, I used, I used to use it. The problem everybody has. It, it really is. It's crazy. I used to use this analogy of using the robots, right? Like I have a robot that has a perfect sight picture all day long and I have another robot that has a shitty sight picture but the perfect trigger pull. And then the other one, the robot with the perfect sight picture has a shitty trigger pull, inconsistent. One slap, the other one triggered, whatever. Click yeah. bang. And then which one can I zero and hone in sooner? And then it's usually the robot with a better consistent trigger where he can have precision, but not necessarily accurately, but with a few tweaks here or there to line him up and teach him how to aim sights, it's going to be all there. And then same thing, like you, you said, it's intuitive for a lot of us human beings to aim and line it all up, right? It doesn't have to be perfect, just has to be close. And if you are crappy with your trigger or slappy with that, it's it's it doesn't matter how good that thing is. But if you learn how to pull a trigger, goodness gracious, it's the same. It's it's going to be an awesome, awesome experience for you behind the gun. Well, I say it's a choice. So once I understand what it takes to fire a perfect shot, accuracy is a choice for the rest of my life. It's it's how accurate do I need to be? Do I need to shoot the button on this guy's shirt or do I need to get upper thoracic hits right here? Um, do I need to hit A's on here? You know, my my first shot was was off or whatever. Like I, it's it's how much level of focus. And how much discipline are you going to put into each shot to get close enough to perfection to get that hit at the given distance under the given time frame? So it's like, if I understand accuracy, I also have a baseline for me to trade speed for. Yeah. If I understand how accurate I am, understand, yeah. truly understand myself. 
That's so awesome to hear you say that because uh, it's 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 this is the best part about talking guys that had a lot of industry, a lot of experience, not just surface knowledge stuff, and is that we all kind of same use the same terminologies, just like communicate slightly differently. I call it like it's a conscious decision to be more accurate or not, right? It's it's a decision that you make. It's how much care you want to put on it, and it's so cool to hear that you say that. I'm like, that's that's my language that you're speaking of. Now you speak of my language. Hopefully, a lot of us are saying that. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> because I I don't think there's many things that I, so there, there's very few things that I I am against like not having multiple ways to do or a very few things that I'm like hey I just this is not a technique that I want you to use in my class I don't think it's a good technique there's very few of those out there yeah you know I, I'm, I'm I'm pretty I, I like a variety of things because there's different applications but when it comes to trigger presses and when it comes to self control and and mindset. And when it comes to speed and precision, you're like I, shot timers don't lie. Yeah, like the like the physics don't lie. Yeah. The physics of of the trigger press, like these things are, in my opinion, inarguable. And and I I've I've been wrong about so many things in my life, JJ. I've been wrong about so many gun things and tactical things that I was teaching Marines in other countries, <laughs> uh, service members that I thought for sure I had it all right. And I and I was like, this is the best thing ever, and I'm at the top of my game, only to realize that I was wrong about like 90% of it. You know, it's like most of the stuff that I taught in the Marine Corps, like I don't agree with anymore. You know, it's like um, I've been wrong about so many things, and I'm pretty sure I'm wrong about some things right now, right? Like because sure. I've been wrong so much. Chances are I'm wrong about some, what are those things? You know, and, and I want to find out what those things are, and I, and I want to fix those things, and it's okay. One of the things I was wrong about, even though I was doing the race off trigger back to the wall prep during recoil and not pinning the trigger, I taught for years without even realizing that I was not pinning the trigger. I was doing it the fast right way, but I had no idea. Um, and I was still teaching pinning the trigger. And then one day uh, I was in a class with uh, Houston Shaw, John Shaw. Yes, yeah. And, and Houston said, uh, all right, I got to fix all you guys' triggers except for Daniel's. And I was like, well, what do you mean? What's wrong? What, what's, what's, is mine right? And he's like, yeah, because you're doing this. And I was like, oh, I am doing that. Wow. <laughs> uh, that, but I've been teaching the pinning technique, and and this is obviously faster, but it's what I do intuitively. You know, so it's like uh, that, was, that was a big epiphany for me. Even though, even though I was doing something, I was teaching something different yeah. than what I was doing, and I didn't recognize that. You know, so that to me, that to me, I was I was wrong about something else. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That was that was five years ago. You know, five years ago. That's so cool though that yeah. you you figured that out. But you've been doing one thing over the other. You know. Yep. But I, I, I but I should have freaking known. <laughs> analyzing what I was doing, right? Like I I I let some students down, telling them the wrong thing. You know. You know. So you know. You know, one of the things that I used to also, I'm guilty of, of being wrong. I used to tell people, and this this kind of, this stems to myself too, is that telling myself to slow down on certain targets, like, hey, slow down on that target. Make sure you 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 care for this target, or make sure you you line up the sights, or just slow down. Is what I tell myself, right? Whatever. And and I've changed my thought on that. Instead of saying people telling people to slow down, I just tell them, hey, look for the right things. Check off the boxes. If the sights are good and the triggers prep, send a freaking round. Don't hesitate. 
right? I, I've caught myself so many times where I've gotten, I'm, I told myself to slow down this particular popper because it's a critical popper. And then I get there and I'm like, oh my God, the sights are on, on there. Trigger's good. Hold up just a little bit more. And then I jerk it anyway. And I'm like, oh, what ended up happening was me just missing slower. So instead of that, I told, I tell, I tell guys now, I was like, if you see, if you check the boxes, if your sights are there and a trigger's prep and it requires those two things, send around without any hesitation. So at least you're present and you were there thinking about the process as opposed to the byproduct of slowing down. If you do everything correctly, your pace may either be faster or slower depending on how much focus you have on the trigger or the sights. But if you tell yourself to slow down, that's just a byproduct of and skipping over the process of what you needed to do. So it's kind of like on one of those things that I used to tell a lot of my students, oh my gosh, so hey, you can't. You, you got to slow down on that plate rack. You, you can't hit that at 15 yards doing it the way you do without adjusting their movement, without adjusting the way they're pulling a trigger or give them a specific point to focus on either how their sights or how their trigger feels. You know, and it just, hey, slow down and you're doing everything right, just slow down. And it's it's it, it was a disservice I thought I did for yeah. for years. You know what I hated? Is this happening? Is I hate this forever. Even I was not guilty of this one. Um but whenever I'm teaching somebody and somebody comes up and says, Hey man, remember the fundamentals. <laughs> like, oh, Bro. oh, you know what? That's what I forgot. Like I, I wasn't thinking about the fundamentals. Like you just covered everything, you know, like, I, thank you. I'm good now. Right. Like what a waste of breath, you know, like <laughs> remember the fundamentals or like all the war movies are like, you remember your training, man. Like, like, you, you, come on. Right. Like it's, it's like it's that's not good coaching. It's not good good uh, teaching technique, I guess. Yeah. You, you described a process a few times in there and a system. JJ, do you are you? Uh, I'm a big fan of if there's something that I know I'm going to do in a fight or in a competition, have a system for it. You know, like I, I have a post engagement system mm -hmm. that I that I teach. Um, I have a, a system for transitioning from handgun back to rifle. I have a system for as many things that I, that I know I'm going to do these things. I try to build systems around them. And you just described uh, a system that basically a process of a shot. Is there a checklist that, that you think about and use Yes. on a stage per shot or that you teach students to think about? I'm curious what those are. There are certain physical cues that I tell guys, right? And, um, I, and I'm going to ask you a question too in regards to your system. Uh, so just remind me on that one because I'm, I'm very interested in something that you said and I think the reason behind it. But basically, I, I look at two things. The tar I have two targets. Either It's either an attack target, I call it, or a control target. And that's the verbiage that I came up with a long, a long time ago just because it made sense to me. Attack is something that's danger close, right? Or it requires speed as priority. I can go fast because it's a bigger target, closer target. Control means it's a little bit further away. It requires control and a trigger and lining up my sights a little better. Maybe a hostage shard, no shoot target, whatever, distant plate target. Those are I, I call control. So I like it, that terminology. Right? It's good. It makes it easy. One of them, and, and the close proximity, because proximity negates skill. It doesn't matter how good you are, how good they are, or how bad either one of you are. It could kill you with a screwdriver if they get on top of you. Yes. So your sense of urgency for high volumes of fire rapidly and accurately are higher. Yes. Right. Then then the, the control says it's what that target's called, but it's also giving you a command. Yes. Basically. Yeah. No, I like that. It's good. Yeah. So the control's priority is an accuracy target, right? Because you have some time, there's some distance between you or whatever. And then the accuracy, uh, the, the attack target is the speed is a priority there, right? Like you mentioned, it's danger close, whatever. And so 
when it's a speed target, I tell guys like, hey, identify your targets and, and everyone's different. Their yardages and their how far they can take an attack target. Like let's say for me, 10 yards, whatever. That's an attack target. Some people may be within seven, but it's different. But I said, if you de- designate a target and identify it as an attack target, then you all you need is some sort of visual cue to call your shots and engage that target, whether it's your gun or your physical sights or your flash front sight, or you're actually looking through the rear sight to get to your front sight, whatever you need, some sort of sight and just grip the gun, that's all you need. And you're gonna pull the trigger as fast as you possibly can, whatever, as fast as you can see onto that target. When it gets to the control target, I need you to actually feel the wall. How much wall, it depends on how far the target, how much I spend time in there, maybe if it's 20 yards, maybe it's a quarter second on the wall. If it's 50 yard target, maybe it's a half second on the wall. I can't tell you, but it's really dependent on when the site stabilizes as long as I'm sitting on that wall. And so I tell these guys physical cues. So I said, all right, here's a setup. You have an attack control, let's say popper at 15 yards and another attack, two five yard targets next to you. And you have to shoot it left to right what do you need on this first left target? And the guy's always like, I just need to look through my gun. I'm like, exactly. You can call that you can, you're going to be able to hit depending on your training background or whatever, or how good you are at indexing. You can pretty much pull the trigger by just point shooting. You know, I hate saying point shooting, but basically using some sort of sights in quotation to get hits on that target. But to hit accurately on the back target, the control target, you would require two things. You A good steady sight picture and the trigger has to be pressed correctly right from the wall and then from there you go turn it up again to just seeing some sort of visual so I tell a lot of my students to do look for visual cues to to give them an idea of how to engage targets and so that kind of comes down and trickles down to oh man so if it's a threat this close is that yeah that's why there's tactical order sometimes you go for the closest guy versus the further guy or the guy that can do more damage to you at a further distance than this guy closer to you like there's things but at distance that the main priority is accuracy because if you induce speed for for competition it's just i miss and then it's three tenths five tenths half tenths whatever of a second to to recover right which eats up a lot of time it eats up a lot of points in the real world if you miss a target you can't take that bullet back right and you're in every bullet i sh- i fire is is an exponential increase uh for me to meet a day in the court and i don't need that for civil liabilities or anything like that so i would like to make sure i hit that target and it's and all that stuff so the mindset's slightly different than attack target i gotta get my rounds out there because now i'm whatever that's my only opportunity for speed it's easy and then it just depends on how fast i can really pull the trigger and see whatever i need to see to call my shots on these particular targets so that's kind of where i go with in, in regards to my process no, I like that for prioritizing, and and it, it also, it even like I said before when I was explaining the attack and the control, like it, that terminology that you're using is leading back into to mindset, yeah. As well, you know how you're approaching that, how you're not not having to think about it. Um, I mean, you're thinking tactically, but you're not like analyzing this. Okay, I'm going to shoot that one first. Like this is an automatic response, basically, uh, to that given stimuli. I guess you could say of the target distance and all that. You said you had a question for me? Yes, I do. Um, why did you come up with a system? Yes. <laughs> why did you come up with a system and a process? What was your reasoning behind that? Uh, man, I because everything that I've, I've been involved in in training and, you know, actual combat, there was there was always a few things that, that I knew were going to occur. And if I know these things are going to occur every single time or at least are extremely likely to occur, then 
uh, I, 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 I'm going to have a system for it. Like when you start your, your class and then you got 20 dudes showing up and, and dudettes, whatever, at the range, and you're about to shoot some guns and you're kicking your safety brief, you're probably going to go over where the medical kit's going to be. Like who's going to drive out and meet the bus, you know, if there's an ambulance coming or a fire engine coming and drive them directly to the range. You know, you're going to set up who who is making the phone call. And I pick two people for each of these tasks in case one of them's hurt. So we have an emergency plan that we build on the range. We have a system. We have a plan in place, a 90% plan that may change a little bit based on what happens. And I, and I have a little bit of that 10% in there to play with and, and, and exploit opportunities, uh, but also, you know, make changes if I need to. But when, it's, when somebody's hurting and bleeding or there's bullets flying, it's not the time to make a plan for something that you should have already thought ahead and knew there was a high likelihood of it occurring. And if it does occur, you know you're going to have to take these steps so you have a plan in place for those steps. That's that's exactly what I thought. You Why you created a system and a plan is because for efficiency and consistency, right? Eventually, it comes down to that. Like, you don't have to think, hey, these are the things that we need, we need to do. We'll flex if we need to. But things are already in motion. You've already set that in stone. And kind of the same with my approach in, in shooting. I have to have some sort of a system and process so I don't have to think about it a lot. It's already kind of pre-programmed in my brain the way I've trained leading up to this match, whether it's an attack control, how I exit, how I move out of this position because it's an attack target, how I roll into position because it's a, a control target, or you know how I will shoot things on the move because these targets are things that I can shoot on the move with and it's these are the rules that I follow and same thing with you it's a very systematic approach and something I learned um, with working with a lot of military guys is that have a system in place so when things do go bad things start to be in motion towards saving that person's life or saving our asses <laughs> it was always something that was there and I was like that's pretty cool that you apply it to your classes and all that stuff it's kind of a consistency consistency thing I guess yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and it probably is the military side. You know, everything was built into, you know, an attack order or, or whatever, a five-paragraph order or whatever you do. Every We try to think of every possible contingency plan, you know, and, and all of these different plans. you got your secondary and tertiary effects. So I have responses for, for all those things. Um, it's like Brazilian jiu-jitsu guys, you know, like they, they have the – you can be with the guys who – I forget who I was talking to recently. We were – maybe it was a podcast. I can't remember. We were talking about Brazilian jiu-jitsu and – and I think it was Varg Freeborn, my co-host, where the podcast isn't up yet, but we were talking about uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and where, you know, somebody's trying to go for a triangle, you know, they might go to the counter and move that arm over. Now the person that's trying to throw the triangle is going to, he has Kimura, you know, and now the other guy's going to move this. So we have this, these counters to counters and it's just constantly going. Now, a really good practitioner is going to allow that person to think that they're going to get something. Yeah. Right. And, and then, and then to get them comfortable, to get them confident, and then sneak something in there and and smoke them real quick, you know. So it's like, but they're still they're still working systems because they know these things are going to occur, and they just do them. They don't have to think about them, and they have that mental bandwidth available for all the real problems out there that actually are difficult. That's how I got choked out the first time. Did <laughs> did not see it coming, and I've been choked out so many times, bro. It's not a big deal. <laughs> You just have a dream. I think it's just a fast-forward dream. You wake up like, ooh, what happened? <laughs> yeah, and the guy literally was – because I'm still such a beginner in that, right? Like I think 
things to it. Ooh, I got this. Ooh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Ooh, but he's already just flowing, feeling my body weight, the way it's shifting. And he's already one step ahead of me, two steps ahead of me. And then, yeah, it set me up. He knows what you're doing before you know it. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Especially if you're rolling with like a black belt or like a brown belt or something. Man, they're just ridiculous. Dude, this dude was even a purple. Like, I thought, I was like, oh, I should be Purples all right. Yeah. Blue belts. A blue belt. Goodness gracious. Some blue belts. <laughs> yeah. They're just sandbagging. What's the biggest problem that you see? with with shooters out there and it could be fundamentals it could be you know mindset like they've never uh one thing that i i see is that people have never seen real proficiency they've never observed somebody being really really proficient at at their work um in, in shooting guns and, and working on the range and all the things that that really entails not just the shooting part um so i don't think people often because of that they don't realize that that they could be better you know, and they, they can need it. So that's, that's one of the things that I see as a whole, just giving you an example, but it could be a shooting thing or whatever. What's a, what's something that you see that, that we could improve a lot as a community or as individual shooters? I think there's two things. I, I, uh, there's a few things. Um, as me as an instructor, what I, what I see in cha- uh, uh, my biggest challenge out there as an instructor is that I get a lot of students. I don't like beginners. I tell them, don't give me the beginners. I want the guys to have at least experience and trained and done their own due diligence and work their butts off to get to a certain level and they're stuck and then then that's what I like because that's a project where I can take you to the next level or whatever push you to your next um, next level in your journey however a lot of the guys that I get a lot is that they don't they just want to see the sexy stuff and they just want to see the quote unquote advanced skill set because they feel like they've figured out excuse me, a lot of the other fundamentals that we talked about, right? And and when you see it, it's almost like they're not progressing because the fundamentals, the holes in their game is literally holding them back from being able to explore their next level stuff. And and so we end up hashing out the fundamentals again for the next few hours and all that stuff. So me as an instructor, that's what I got to juggle with because I don't want to disappoint the client. Like, hey, I want to do the advanced stuff. I hired you for this. This is advanced. Okay, cool. We're going to do that. But let me check. The way I like to train or teach is uh, let me see how you pull a trigger. Let me see how you shoot accurately let me see how you shoot speed let me see how you move and once i can see that i can get a grasp of an idea of where to go and where your deficiencies or inefficiencies are at and then we can attack it from there and give me a game plan right but um a lot of these guys like no i just this is my weakness i'm like okay cool that's good that you know i i will probably engage that but let me see other things first because these are other things that will also hit that up and that's that's a lot of these guys hit um, I think that could be is just, is 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 the big issue, or at least my biggest challenge as an instructor. Um, the other thing in the industry altogether is that before you move on to that one, before you go to the industry thing, let me let me comment on that one. The uh, I man, the this whole thing. I've been making a living with a gun in my hand for 23, 24 years now. I cannot wait to, and I've been to some good schools, man. I put in a lot of work on ranges, a lot of dry fire practice. Um, I don't suck at it, you know, like. But I cannot wait to get good enough to take one of these advanced classes <laughs> and, and get to the advanced material, you know, because I've signed up for classes and taken classes that have advanced in the title, you know, or they say advanced this and that. And I'm like, I didn't do anything advanced all day. I, I'm yet to actually find that advanced technique, that advanced stuff. Uh, I have a class that I call Patrol Rifle Problem Solver. It is 100% all fundamentals designed to help you fight while following my safety rules. These are fighting safety rules. Uh, there is nothing, we do some very uncomfortable and unorthodox application of the fundamentals, 
but there is nothing in that that isn't just 100% pure fundamentals. You know, and people call it an advanced. You can't be a bad shooter and come to this class. Like you, you got to yeah. know how to, what you're doing, right? Like, but it's but there's absolutely nothing, in my opinion, that's advanced in it. It's it's all an application of the fundamentals. Yes, it's just not in the normal way we apply the fundamentals. Yes, I hundred percent agree with that. It's the same thing, right? I've been around for a while, and it's kind of like when when is this advanced stuff? I remember going to Fletzy, and like this is our most advanced firearms course. They called it reactive shooter, and I'm like, okay, and oh. First of all, it was a little dangerous because there were guys there that didn't belong to be there and they were having a shoot from concealment at like half second, three quarters of a second, forcing you to do it, right? Like, you need to get this round off before this target blaze away. <laughs> Gosh, I'm like, this is not cool. But I was lucky enough that this guy named Travis, he was a DOE guy, former D-boy, and, and next to my left and then the other guy, I uh, forgot his other guy, he was also a DOE guy and those guys were stacked and they're, they were legitimately like proficient with their firearm but there were other guys in the ends in the corners where just golly like you do not they just because they had an instructor badge they were sent to that program and they were trying to get they i don't think they had ever tried to shoot any speed shots from outside the holster or speed draws in general and they were now all of a sudden trying to pull half second three quarters of a second from concealment draws and they were letting them have it and i'm going this is so bad wow. but yeah like advanced i, I don't no, it's just literally, like you said, the fundamentals applied in a slightly efficient or different manner. I think that's the way I would look at it. I don't, I don't, I haven't seen an advanced thing that I've done in shooting in years and it's yeah. allowed me to win without being advanced per se. I, I interrupted you till we started that line of thinking. You were about to comment on the as a community. Sorry, yeah, this community thing is. This was just heavy with me this morning because I was sent a video on Instagram. This guy's a an instructor, and he 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 he, he showed a video of shooting on a move. But these guys were literally sprinting, um, no techniques, sloppy form. Targets were three yards. I think they were separated about a yard each and they're running at a three yard line horizontally and they're just firing at the targets full sprint and I think I forgot what it was called it said movement at speed was a title and then I was like okay what's what's the context here am I missing something and then they did it again and then I was like alright let me review it let me did it you know it's hard to judge a particular you part you only get a snapshot yes yeah, yeah it's not fair for this instructor right and then I'm like alright so I don't, I don't get the contacts. It's not fair for this guy to judge him right away. But I, I'm looking. There's no breakdown. Nothing whatsoever. The, 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 the caption doesn't state anything. It's just, just shooting at speed. And then the, the sloppiness and all that stuff. So I'm like, this is even borderline dangerous. Like, they're shooting in laterals and yeah. shooting in whatever. So I Googled and researched this guy and did all this stuff. And just to make sure I'm not missing something and anything. And then I just said, hey. I sent it to a couple of my instructor guys. Like, hey, guys. Like, what do you think of this? Am I missing something? And I'm not really sure. And then immediately it blew up. And I was like, ah, oh, this is what's wrong with this industry. There's so many guys that, because a beginner or anything, the guys that have no experience will look at that as going, that was a cool drill. I learned how to shoot on the move really fast. I can do this. Right? And and it's kind of. Never trust your students to tell you, to don't believe your students when they tell you your class is. <laughs> You know, when I was used to mentor instructors and stuff, like, look, like, hey, I was a class. And they're like, oh, man, it was great. And I was like, yeah, I saw a part of it. It looked pretty good. And uh, they're like, why, why do you say it was great? And like, oh, man, all the students loved it. I'm like, no. The students don't know any better. They, they, you're, you're, it's your job to yes. let them know better. 
So we don't go by the students thinking it's great because they think anything's great. I've taken classes where everybody in the class thought it was amazing, but all I got was supervised range time. They just explained a drill and said, hey, do this drill for like eight hours oh. a day and never actually transferred knowledge about anything. Yes. Never coached, never critiqued, never did anything. But but the students there were like, oh, man, this was awesome because they never got to do those things on the range. Correct. It wasn't the class that was good. It was the just the the activity in the class that was outside of what they normally were able to do. So they they, they enjoyed it. Of course they did. They're with like-minded folks on a range shooting guns. They're going to have a good 100%. time. 100%. Right? Like, but it's the important thing is, like, did we transfer knowledge there? Like, are these better, safer shooters? Are they going to to spread that knowledge and be ambassadors for the Second Amendment? Or, or are they going to be... Did they leave here doing something unsafe? To me, I, I tell people, you know, you signed up for a class, gave a whole weekend, put tons of trust in me. I could teach you something that could get you killed. I could teach you something that could get you locked up, and maybe you don't know any better. You're putting a lot of trust in me when you when you come to my class, that I'm not going to get you hurt on the range, that I'm going to run a safe range. You're spending money and time away from your family. Your family's making a sacrifice for this, and I believe that we do these things out of love, not because we want to be better at killing people, but because we want to stay here and protect the ones that we love. Yes. Um, and it's not out of out of anything other than that. Um, but because of that, uh, they they'll sometimes come out there and and um, they'll, they'll whatever it is they they think they're having a good time. So you can't trust the students. But if I got somebody who leaves a class and I did not correct them on an unsafe activity, or I, I let them do something fundamentally incorrect and I didn't correct them, I have completely failed that student. But that student doesn't even know. Yeah. So a class uh, from the student's perspective, it could be an amazing class. But from my perspective, if I if I didn't say that thing, I owe it to them to make that correction. And and I and I that to me it's not a good class if if we did not uh, increase capabilities and give tons of homework for people to do and identify things they need to work on. You are saying and hitting it right <laughs> where it needs to be, man. It's it's crazy to hear so many stories out there of just people going, "Hey, man," because this guy literally just had to shoot. Like, how many rounds are you shooting in in your class? I'm like, I don't know. It's gonna flex between 800 to a thousand, depending. I don't know. Maybe 600, maybe seven, depending on the class. And like, well, how do you not know? I'm like, because I, I don't have specific drills per hour that we're gonna shoot. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's gonna be dependent on the shooters and the student, right? Like, I can't look. Like, oh, well, the class I took before this literally told me by lunchtime we'll be shooting 250. I don't know. I can't tell you that. And that's a good for that person. I know where I'm going to start. Yes. And I know where I want to end. Yes. But how I get there depends on the student. 100%. And then, you know, it's it's like you said it. It's just some of these guys are just hosting activities. And for some people that never been in a group or, or, or formal training of some sort, and uh, hosting activities and just giving them drills, they consider that teaching or being taught. And I don't think that's a good assessment. Like you said, uh, that's... That's almost a poor representation of what an instructor should be. My job, yeah. my goal, I have two classes, right? Well, so I have several, but I have one One of my main classes, high-speed marksmanship. It's not even, I just call it high-speed marksmanship because someone called it that. I'm like, that's cool. It's because it's marksmanship, but done somewhat faster. It's just an efficient. Like, I, I didn't want to put elite or advanced on it. I was like, high-speed sounds like yes. sexy enough, but then marksmanship yeah, dulls it down. Marksmanship. <laughs> We're going to call it critical dynamic entries there they're, all the big words but so my goal is to introduce as many concepts as i possibly can to your shooting without changing your shooting style like everyone comes in with their shooting style and my goal is to make you better with all these concepts and then you have a 
crap load of homework, a direction where to go, and an idea, your self-level of awareness is so much higher than when you walked in a class. You can pinpoint exactly the individual concept that made you or has or or prevented you from moving on to the next step. And then and then the comment is always like, "Holy cow, you blew my brains out! I I I can't wait to go practice." And I this is where I'm gonna go next. But right, this is the direction I'm going. I'm like, yes. And that's that's I I feel so proud when I get to do that because I'm like, that's that's what the class is all about. Where I'm here mm-hmm. not to practice with you. I'm here to show you where the next thing could be or should be. What you need to be focusing on next and how you can take your current skill level and improve it by doing these small little tweaks. It's still the marksmanship and fundamentals. However, it's applied slightly differently than what you normally have been doing. Yeah, man, that's awesome. I mean, that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, don't get me wrong. I have taken some classes with some, you know, I call it local guys that nobody has ever heard of, that nobody knows who they are, you know, out there in the Instagram world or anything else. And, and I've learned things. Yeah. And there's been some really good classes and some really good instructors out there that just, that just don't play the internet game and the Instagram game, but um, they're good. And, and uh, they're, they're, they're packed full of, of good, good lesson plans and, and curriculum and, and coaching ability. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff. There's a, there's some people out there that are fairly known in the, the tra- if you travel and train, you know, you probably know a couple of guys that if you, if you're a student um, out there listening that, uh, that are some of the best instructors that I've ever had. Nobody knows who they are. Yeah. Nobody. They're not, they're just not playing the internet game. So um, it kind of goes, it could go either way, you know, with, with those guys. One thing that I, I don't like and see, I don't talk bad about instructors. I don't, I don't, I try, I try to stay positive and you seem like a very positive guy in, in most things I see online too. So like I, I try to, to maintain the positive, but then I, I struggle with sometimes the balance of um, policing our own without eating our own. Yes. Because I'm not going to jump in and dogpile somebody when they did something dangerous on the range. Yes. But I would like to get that guy's attention and, and maybe show them that there's a better way and, and why that is. Not that I'm right about everything or I'm some freaking awesome person, but um, when somebody's doing something dangerous on the range and it just looks like a race to the bottom, like, oh, man, go take this class. It's the craziest class. They got you standing next to the targets while people are shooting at them. <laughs> it was awesome. Like, that just that doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. And, and, I, and I think it's it, my, my biggest responsibility – as a trainer and, you know, even the director of marketing for gun mag is not to, to gun mag. It's not to, uh, even the student it's to the second amendment. It's to, to, to not have people out there doing stupid things so I can maintain this help maintain. I don't want to be any, any disabler in any way ever to that. Cause my, I want my grandchildren to enjoy the same liberty and freedom to defend themselves. Um, so when we do something and there's this race to the bottom to see who's got the craziest class or the craziest range, uh, it, it's just not a direction we want to go. We see the same thing in YouTube with video oh. people doing dangerous things and, and then getting hurt all the time. It's just, uh, it's, it's not good for us. It's not good for our country. I mean, the, and I, and I, I believe it. maybe I'm a sentimental person sometimes and maybe I, I overthink things a little bit, but I, I believe that every time I do something stupid on YouTube, something stupid on a range and somebody gets hurt, uh, have a negligent discharge in a bathroom, whatever. We're we're setting that second amendment back with with ten more people, twenty more people, a hundred more people, maybe even a million. You know, and like that's a that's a dangerous thing, and I we can't be a part of that. No, I agree with. You. So how how do I handle that? How do I how do I go after these guys and 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 try to straighten them out, but without dogpiling them and 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 eating our own like we do in this industry a lot. And that's what I try to avoid. Right, is is trying to not eat dog eat dog whatever we eat our own a lot of times we destroy each other and all that stuff because we're so 
critical about it. And I think not, I think everyone in the instructor side, I think has a good heart. Like they mean to go help or whatever their, their motivation is. Right. Um, and, but it's, it's kind of one of those things that sometimes you see something and it's like, all right, so I'm not perfect, but I know when something is dangerous, like (laughs) I'd like to reach out to this dude, but without calling him out in the public comments. So I usually just send it in the message or something of some sort. But even then I try to hesitate because I just don't want to step on anyone's because if I don't know the guy, I have no link and all of a sudden I'm sending him a message, who the hell am I, right, to send him that message? So even him, and if it was right. him sending me a message, I would take it wrong. And that's the problem. Like, cause I, would, I, would, I would want for – that's why I reach out. I'm like, hey, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? No, have you heard of him? Okay, cool. Yes, I've taken this class. Cool, man. Please just tell him like maybe this will be a good adjustment or maybe introduce me somehow. I would love to come off because it, it's so much different when you get introduced and you start having an open conversation and you get to know the dude and you're like, oh, you're, man, you're not a douche. I'm sorry for this word, but you're not a douchebag at all. Like right. you're actually a cool dude. You you know what you're talking about. You just this was just incorrect. I thought and you know you can have an open discussion somewhat, but to kill each other, eat each other off, and all that stuff, it's just not a cool thing to do. I don't think to 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 repo it and, and call it all out shoot him down I think it just brings negative but there are certain people there though like I know you've seen some of this one guy has like a really big watch and I know he's wearing I think the same headset I wear a lot when he's teaching on Instagram like some of the guys are just looking for that attention and that's what they're looking for because the, the shock value gives them the attention and the attention whether bad or good gives them that I think what is that notoriety or being yeah. a place in the industry. A lot of ego. Yeah, yeah. A lot of ego. You know, I, and I, but I, I find that, you know, guys like yourself at, at the top of the game, um, the last podcast that, that I just recorded, uh, this, by the time the listeners hear this one, it should be out with uh, Two Lamb oh. on Tactics. You know, like they, with, with all these guys, everybody that I, that I, that I, all my friends, you know, that I hang out at Circle Bar with and go to parties at Shot Show, I usually get to see them once a year unless I, they're coming through, then I'll stop by their class or take the class, or if they're near me, and or I'll go just go out to see them at the range. You know, it's like there's one thing that, that pretty much they all have in common, not all of them, but, but a lot of them do. Um, and that's a, that's a level of humility. You know, I, JJ, if you ever see me doing something really messed up or if I've got something stuck in my teeth, I want you to be like, hey, dude, you got something stuck in your teeth. Daniel, like, like, can you, you, just letting you know, bro. Um, if I'm doing something out there, like I, I would like for, you know, my friends to come say, Hey dude, we saw what you were doing. Like, I don't know what you were doing right there. Could you talk to me? That explained it to me, you know? Uh, and maybe they'll, they'll, um, they'll be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So I don't allow some of my, my classes, um, to, to people to use cheap video and just not because anything's secret or not because anything's dangerous, just because I am no longer going to play the game where somebody gets to see a five second snapshot. Yeah. And I got to go spend five hours <laughs> explaining that what happened the first six hours prior to that in that <laughs> class, and what we're going to do next. Not everything that I do on the range is a scenario. I don't do scenarios on a square range. I do drills, right? Like we're doing. It's a drill. It's not a scenario. Not and not everything is one hundred percent fight like, but they all contain things that would be in a fight. You know, like but maybe we're isolating one thing at a time. So it's uh it's it, for for learning that one thing. Then we're gonna add complexity. We're gonna put it all together. But we're working in a step process, building scaffolding. Um, and when they don't see that whole story and they just see a snapshot, I, I'm just not willing to put in that time. I I I care greatly about my audience and my students, 
but I, 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 I try not to care what they think because that will just eat you alive and take so much of your time. And you'll have all these people out there who are just not even risk. I could, I could tell you something about that. It's going to make you a better shooter. I've got a couple of videos up on YouTube on the gun Mag warehouse, YouTube channel about trigger press. Like we were talking about prepping. I've got some things about sights when you're using bifocals and trifocals. Cause I have a lot of students who are trying to figure out which part of their lens <laughs> the glasses to look through when they're shooting. So I, I, I tell them to use a target focus with the soft sight alignment. And the, uh, and so I, and so there's some things out there that, that I think are on YouTube that I see solving hundreds of people's problems. It's their exact problem. But those videos get 4,000 views. But if I put out something negative or if I made a poem about the light, the sun shining off of the edge of a blade, or if I um, did 365 versus Hellcat or something like that, tons of views. Like people care about that stuff. But not to, but to get them inspired to, to be better humans, to be better shooters, like that seems more difficult for some reason. It does. A connection, there's not much emotional connection between the the. the the fundamentals and making you a better shooter than the other stuff right the controversial stuff and that's why people it's it's sad because but that's that's why i think a lot of these more dangerous practices are starting to happen because it gets a lot more attention and it becomes a conversational piece to a lot of us and even you know i get suckered in i'm like man that's like that's terrible but i wouldn't even comment anymore i just i just leave it the way it is and i just tell my you know i I do it behind the dms instead of of commenting and making that a public part i just go all right that was horrible like i won't not condone that that's just i've never seen that i just something that i won't do just between me and my friends and stuff like that i just don't want to get engaged in that anymore but like you said like if the snippet of your of your training becomes the highlight of 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 some people because they're like oh that's all he talked about and it was taken totally out of context and that's why i'm so not quick to judge anymore because i've been in that position i'm like well you did not understand what we were doing leading up to that to that point what's funny is if, if we if that same person that are in there commenting on that snapshot of a class if they would have seen um somebody running over a guy, you know, I, I was, I saw a comment. There was a, a video that I saw on Instagram, I think yesterday of this uh, gentleman getting almost ran over by an SUV. And all these comments were like, why would he do that? He, he almost killed that guy. That's assault with a deadly weapon, this and that, everything else. And all you saw was the actions of the SUV. And I was like, well, you know, there's not enough here to convince anybody. <laughs> there's not enough here for me to even formulate an opinion. Like I need to see the one minute leading up to this event. Was this guy violently attacking somebody in this vehicle or the other vehicle and they need to get out of there. You know, like I'm, I, I, I don't understand how all you thousands of people who commented have all this information and somehow your confirmation bias has told you that, that X must be happening right now. Um, but I don't, I don't have enough information. I need to sit back and get some more information before I pass judgment on this. And whenever I do that, I usually find that there's something different than I initially thought. Yeah. And I think it's a lot, sometimes I think a lot of that is because everyone wants to be first now. Like, I want to be first to comment. I want to be first to say something smart. I want to be first to say something tactical and be a central part of this conversation. Maybe get a new follow. Yeah, yeah, of some sort, right? Yeah, like, like like that freaking Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Tell you the truth, I looked at my followers the other day. I'm like, I don't even know how that got to that. Like, how? Why? That's how? Like, what do I do? <laughs> like, you know, like, you look at some... You're being yourself, man. You're being real. Yeah, but it's it's it's... It's it's crazy to think like I was telling Max, a, a friend of mine, I was like, dude, that's that's all those people that decide to click yes, I'm going to follow this guy, whether I like him or not. 
because you know not all of them are your 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 likes. Oh, yeah. They they want to see something that you're gonna f up. We're not friends. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's good. But those are the those are the saddest people that I really want to reach the best. Yes. But, I, but, they, but they also annoy me at the same time the most and take the most of my time. <laughs> but like those people, those people need it the most. Not that they need to shoot guns better or anything else, but like they have to have a miserable life. You know, if you're gonna scan the internet to be mean to people, like. I mean, I'm not even BSing. Like, I I feel bad for that person, man. Like, 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 what's what's happening in your life that's that that's that's got you doing this? You know, going out here searching for negativity. Because if you want to look for negativity, you're always gonna oh find gosh, it. Like, it's gonna be out there everywhere, man, everywhere. But it, changing your mindset, looking for for positives, man. Like, it it'll change like every aspect of your life. I know I won't get on a TED. <laughs> JJ, I really enjoyed this, man. People get mad at me when I go over like hours and hours and hours or like over an hour and they're like, man, I got to listen in like three sections. I'm like, man, I'm sorry for the free podcast that, that lasted an hour and 20 minutes. But seriously, um, it has been a pleasure. And uh, I feel like there's tons more that we should talk about uh, out there. And I would love to do that again in the future. Um, there's just it was, it was getting, breaking down into some of the, the, the training stuff, the, like the way you train, uh, the way you think. You know, I, I'm not a big competition shooter anymore, but uh, how you you break down in a match. But I think you're a, a perfect person from your background and training, you know, military type operations and understanding of that. Um, but also as a world class competitive shooter, uh, you may be the most qualified person to talk about why playing games is different than a tactical environment but why they both support each other kind of thing. I, I, maybe in the future we can get some uh, opinions on that. It might be a, even a whole episode. I bet you got tons of stuff. Man, that would be cool. I, I truly enjoy it. I didn't even realize it. I looked at the clock just now when you said it's been over an hour. I'm like, gosh, this, it has been? <laughs> yeah. <everybody laughs> it was, like, goodness that. gracious, we did. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm totally going to have you on again if you'll be happy to join. Yes, let's do it. Um, well, I'll like three topic ideas I've written down. Uh, JD, where can everybody find you out there to, to follow you and, and see what you do? Uh, it's simple now. Uh, it's just... Maybe jump into class? Yeah, it either. Uh, it's really just Instagram now. I've, I've deleted Facebook, right? That was a few years ago and it was kind of a weird breakup moment. But once I did that, it cleared a whole lot of air for me and a lot less um, drama, let's say. Um, and so now Instagram. So it's just at JJ Rakaza on Instagram. And both and that and Twitter, but I'm not very active on Twitter. I don't like to put out a lot of controversial opinions. I just stay stick to my lane, basically, is what I like to say. Yeah, if you're not commenting on politics, you're like not even using Twitter. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it is. Or angry about something. You know, yeah. Not angry posting. Yeah, Twitter, man, I, if I want to get my heart rate up, I just log on to Twitter. Yes, that's what I do. <laughs> right before I work out. That's my pre-workout. <laughs> so I'm sipping. <laughs> All right. Uh, dude, that's another podcast. Uh, freaking uh, the workout of the champion. Like, how do you do that? Like, what are you doing working out? I mean, I got I got like four episodes now. That we're <laughs> um, I hope you guys like JJ. JJ's going to be better. Oh, that's I, awesome. I like talking to JJ. All right, so go follow on Instagram. Um, I'm going to have uh, links to it. So they can find your website for signing up for class? It's actually, we took down a website. We don't have a website right now. It's it's on. It's currently under construction. We're actually finalizing that, but okay. really just through my wife. My wife's my boss. It made it easy. She runs my schedule, um, as you probably know. <laughs> so 
That's also a very common theme out here in this game as well. The, a lot of the wives run everything. Dude, that's the way to make... I th- I feel like that's the key to making it all successful for us. Because we travel. We have to travel for some of our stuff, right? Yeah. And if I involve her and she's... Your team? Yes. She knows where she. I'm going. It's not a surprise. She, you know, it's she's setting my schedule. Like, hey, she can't be like, you've been gone for freaking three weeks. <laughs> no, you sent me out here, and I was cool with it. I approved it. I'm good with it. You know, like it's it's a team. So she makes it all happen for me. And and, and I went to. Sh- no, I'm telling you, and she's super organized, and she's super put together, and she just gets overwhelmed. She still runs a you know federal gig full time, and then she does my email co- uh, coordination aside and all that stuff but makes it happen makes it happen for me she makes me happen my my wife is more organized than, than me yes as well. and i i one one year i went to shot show without her and i said never again <laughs> because you know she's she's like uh, she's she, she's great man like i'll be talking to, to a, a guy who's a big deal like a ceo of some yep. major firearms company and working on something and and you know he she shows up with a beer for both of us. Oh. Just, just a little thing, you know. So like, I, I get I get to keep his attention, you know, or whatever. And um, you know, the, the wait, you hey, we got twenty more minutes. We can stay here. Then we got to get to this other thing over there. We got to move over there. Like, hey, nope, you're done talking. It's time to go. Sorry, he has to go. Like, it, it's so great, you know. And I, I couldn't I couldn't make it. You know, it's like it's, she's a huge help. Yeah, I, I, I've tried to get her exactly on there so she can be keep me organized and accountable. Like, hey, you only have 15 minutes to go here to there. And she would pull me out of it instead of making it awkward for you and I to go, I'm sorry, I got to cut this conversation, especially when the conversation going good, you know? Like, she makes... Yeah, and she makes it awkward. So it's not on yes, you. Yes, yes. Like, no, it's perfect. Yes, it's yes. Like, it's just like a good producer. <laughs> yep. Guys, that was JJ Rikaza. We'll see him again. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna get Varg on and, and the two of us and and JJ. I think we're gonna have a good conversation. Uh, speaking of that, I, I talked to Varg about another episode that you haven't heard yet with Two Lamb of Ronan Tactics. It'll be out really soon, um, and we are totally gonna have him back on as well. Just uh, a lot of great guests here recently. Thank you guys for tuning in, and until next time, the Mag Life out. <laughs>